Father, we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. So, Father, that we trust that you inhabit this place this evening. Father, we pray that you would energize the preaching of your word, that this would not be merely information or merely just a good study of a passage, but this would be transformative, that you would use the word of God to conform and transform your people. Father, I pray for people who don't know you here, that they will have an encounter with the living God here this evening. Father, I pray that um, your word will not return void this evening. It would accomplish its purposes. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Your family is watching an old interview of Donald Trump. You just after he got elected president. And the interviewer said, Mr. Trump, there is a perception that you lack humility. That you're very arrogant, braggadocious even. How would you respond to that? And Trump replied by saying, Nobody is more humble than I am. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. You know, family, I think if you're bragging about your humility, then I think it's fair to say you like humility. Amen? In Samoan culture, the highest values or virtues are humility and service. In fact, everything we do, every relationship we have is to be facilitated by those two values or virtues. But even more importantly, as a Christian, if you were to ask me what should be the defining all-encompassing quality that sets you apart as a disciple of Christ Jesus, I will tell you the answer without question is humility. If pride is indeed the root of all sin, then humility is the root of obedience. It takes humility to say, Lord, I'm going to decrease so you can increase. It takes humility to say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. It takes humility to take on board godly correction. It takes humility to give your, to give your life away in service of others. If humility is not the defining all-encompassing quality that sets you apart as disciple of Christ Jesus, then you will find it very difficult, if not impossible, to follow Jesus. There's an old expression, family, that faith is the slender nerve that moves the arm of God. That's very true. In other words, faith actions God. Faith activates God's provision for your life. Faith moves the arm of God. But if faith moves the arm of God, then humility moves the heart of God. God is searching for a people who will set themselves apart for his purposes. He is looking for a humble vessel that he can move powerfully in and through. He is looking for someone who will say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to decrease so you can increase. He, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God is on the hunt for the humble. As believers, family, our goal, the goal of our Christian life is to be like Christ. And the greatest example of humility, the very personification of humility, the most powerful demonstration of humility is Christ Jesus himself. So we're going to look to him as our example. If every Bible is opening in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 9, Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 9. Now this passage family, in my opinion, is the greatest passage in all of scripture when it comes to defining who Christ is and why he came. It is the jewel and the crown of the study of Christ. Now, although this passage is heavy theologically, it's also intensely practical because the thrust of this passage is, is that we are to emulate Jesus, who is the greatest example of humility. Let's go to the passage. Have this in mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. For though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. 
like I said, family, this passage is rich theologically, and the, the ELC lecturer in me wants to unpack the theology, but the preacher in me is looking for application. So we're going to focus on application. And the application is this, as we are to emulate Jesus, who is the greatest example of humility. Family, there's no greater example of humility than God becoming man. No greater example of humility than the infinite becoming the finite. No greater example of humility than the creator becoming the creation. No greater example of humility than the spotless son of God, the second person of the Trinity, humbling himself to dwell amongst sinners and traverse dusty roads with us. The one who was deserving of all honor, praise, glory, and worship humbled himself and gave himself away in service of undeserving people. Jesus embodies humility. In verses 6 and 7, it says, Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality of God as something to be grasped. So Jesus is equal to God the Father. He is not less than God the Father. He was not created by God the Father. He did not come after God the Father. No, he has full equality with God. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, In Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. In other words, all those attributes that belong to God, such as being all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, self-existent, eternal. All those attributes that belong solely to God belong to Christ. He has equality with God. Amen, church. And family, because Jesus has equality with God, all the privileges, all the prestige, all the position that comes with being God, Jesus is fully entitled to. But it goes on to say, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. What that means as family is that although Jesus knew who he was, that he is the King of King and Lord of Lords, that he has equality with God, thus every position and prestige and privilege that comes with being God, he is fully entitled to. Although he knew this, it says Jesus not, did not consider his privileges or position as something to be grasped. In other words, family, Jesus didn't desperately cling to his privileges or position. He didn't selfishly withhold them for his own use or his own advantage. He didn't view his privileges or position as something that was solely for him. Your family, I think a good test of leadership is when you give people position and privilege and see what they do with it. Will they use their position and privilege to lower themselves and serve people? Or will they use their position and privilege to isolate themselves from people so they can be served rather than serve? In Samoan culture or Fasamo, we have uh, these concepts of humility and service known as Famaulolo and Tautua. Forgive my pronunciation, that was a bit off. <laughs> I don't say these words often, just for the sermon. So. But family, these ideas are grounded in the concept of reciprocity. And the practice works like this. As if every person puts the interest of the other person before themselves, nobody gets left out. So for example, a pastor is to put the interest of his church before his own. It's no coincidence that someone's called the pastor the five fl which means the one who serves. In response, the church puts the interest of the pastor before themselves by submitting to his leadership. Parents put the interest of their children before their own by loving them and providing for them. And in response, the children put the interest of their parents before their own by being obedient children. And family, the wonder of this concept is this, is if everybody puts the interest of the other person before themselves, Nobody gets left out because your, your, your humility, your service is reciprocated. There is a mutual lowering. Amen. Family, I believe that is a picture of the church, that we are called to put the interests of our brothers and sisters before 
ourselves, that we are called to mutually lower ourselves in fellowship with one another. Family, church is not just about your personal relationship with Jesus, that you're called to be committed to and serve in a people as well. In fact, that's exactly what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 2 earlier on, when he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. Listen, church, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Let me put it this way. Church, humility is not this. Humility is not you walk around like this saying, woe is me. Poor me. I can't, you know, I'm, really, I'm not really good at anything. I can't do anything. I have no gifts or talents. I mean, I'm unattractive as well. I mean, what am I going to contribute to the church? I mean, I mean, I can't preach like Haley. I can't sing like Don. I'm not charming or funny or handsome like Jake. I mean, what am I going to contribute to the body? What am I going to give to the church? Who am I? Will I ever be enough? Never enough. Will I ever contribute something to the church? I don't know who I am. I mean, I, I, mean, I can't run a small group. I can barely run around the house. I'm so out of shape. I mean, what am I going to do, church? I, I think I'll just sit in the back and do nothing because I'm nothing. Woe is me. Your family, that's not humility. That's a pity party. Amen? And do you know the worst thing about pity parties is? You're the only person who turns up. That's the worst thing about them. Amen? I would know because I've been to a few. I've hosted many pity parties by myself, and they're not fun. Nobody else is there. Listen, church, humble people know who they are. That's why humble people are secure people. That's why humility is rooted in security. Humble people know who they are. And because they know who they are, they are willing to give themselves away. Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was entitled to every heavenly privilege and position. He knew that he had equality with God. And because Jesus knew who he was, that he had equality with God, he, he could give himself away. But I think in a very different but very real sense, family, that we too have heavenly privileges and position. That we, have, we are co-laborers, we are co-heirs, with Christ. We've been adopted into sonship. We have an eternal inheritance. We are children of the living God. We also know that God has called us to do great things for Him. All of you know the call of God on your life. There is something great that God has called you to do for Him. You know who you are. And church, because you know who you are, because you're secure in who you are in Christ, because you've been valued by Him and lifted up by Him, in response, you can value other people and lift them up above yourself. Humility is rooted in security. Humble people are secure in who they are. About five years ago, family, <clears throat> I was preaching a, a youth, oh, sorry, a young adult rally at, um, in Manuko at Dreams at the Church when there was a, a, a picture theater. And I was preaching. I invited all my, my friends from Kerry Bible College to come. And as I was preaching, through, I could see the multitudes of people there. And as I was preaching the word and preaching a great anointed sermon from God, I could, I could see a girl, I could see a girl in, the, in the audience. And family, this girl is the girl that all the boys liked at Bible college. It was, and I, I looked at it and I realized, listen, I said, I didn't invite her. She invited herself. I said, that's interesting. So my mind began to, began to, began to process what was going on. And I made sure I lifted my, my sermon as, as I was preaching. And I just want to make clear, this is when I was single, okay? So if my girlfriend is listening, this was five years ago, okay? So sort of, just, want to, just want to clarify that. So after the church sermon, I, I preached and she, she came up to me afterwards. And she said, hey, Jake, would you be, would you be keen to, to, to do dinner sometime or to do, to do, I don't know, go out and have dinner? And I said, and I was trying to play it cool. My friend said, you know, try, Jake, play it down. So I said, I said, listen, I'd love to. I just got to check my schedule uh, because I, I, have quite a, I have quite a packed week and 
I think I'm busy Sunday, I think I'm busy Monday night, and, and by busy, I mean I was watching Shaolin Street with my mom, so that's what I was, uh, I didn't really have any, anything real, really planned, so I said, why don't we, I said, why don't we, um, why don't we catch up for, for lunch during, during class, or so after class, should, should say on Tuesday, and church, when that happened, church, I was over the moon, I mean, you could not fit my head through the door, I was that wrapped with what I, with what I pulled off, I walked to college, I was in college with a spring in my step, I was walking around like I, like I owned the place, and I, my, my friends would be talking to me. I'd be walking through the hallways like this. So I'd be like, kind of walking with a spring in my step. And my friends would talk to me. I'd say, hey, Jake, are you coming to church history? I was like, yeah, for shizzle, dizzle. I'll be there, bro. You know it, bro. You know it, bro. I'll be there. They said, Jake, are you coming to lunch with us? No, no, I got plans, bro. I'm sorry I won't be there, but have fun. I'll be so what happened was we, with me and this girl, went out to lunch. And we, we ended up at some point, at some sort of really poncy, uh, <clears throat> cafeteria in Ellerslie, and we're sitting there, we're talking, getting to know each other, and as the conversation began to unwind, she said to me, she said, you know, Jake, when you preach, you're really something. I can see God's anointing, His favor, and the Holy Spirit moving, and God empowering you, but when you're not preaching, just in sort of normal, everyday life, you're a bit of a disappointment. And she, said, she got up and said, I have to go bathroom. I said, wow. I said, make sure you fall in the toilet when you're in the bathroom, because... That's not very nice. But church, as I began to feel my insecurity being to swell up, I, 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 I had a moment with the Lord. I said, you know what? I know who I am. I'm secure in who I am in Christ Jesus. So I thought, you know what? Humble people know who they are. And because, and because they know who they are, because they're secure in who they are, they can give themselves away and still pay for the bill. Amen? <laughs> I still paid. Listen, I still paid for, I still paid for, for lunch. That's how, that's how secure I was. Amen? Once again, church, humility is rooted in security. Now watch this. Even though we have heavenly privileges, even though God is a great call of, even though there's a great call of God on your life as well, like Jesus, we don't, like Jesus, we don't desperately cling to those privileges. We don't selfishly pursue the call of God on a life for our own advantage or own advantage or own gain. Your family, I know that God has called me to preach and pastor. There's not a doubt in my mind He's called me to do that. But God cares far more about my heart, my heart and my capacity to love and serve other people. I know there are many gifted people here who are amazingly gifted people here. And God has called you to pursue that gifting and cultivate that gifting and pursue what God has for you as well. But family, we don't, we don't selfishly cling to those giftings. We don't, we don't cling to those privileges and position for our advantage. Rather, we wrap them in a lowering in service of other people as well. It goes on to say, family, that Jesus emptied himself. Now, some people think this means that Jesus emptied himself of being God or he gave up some of his divine attributes. That's not only heretical, that's impossible. Jesus can't give up who he is by nature. He was always fully God and fully man when he was on earth and still is today. What this means, family, is when Jesus emptied himself, it means this, is that Jesus emptied himself of his own will. He says, I've come to do not my will, but the will of the one who sent me. He emptied himself of his own privileges when he says the Son of Man has come to serve, not to be served. He emptied himself of his own glory when he when it became veiled in human flesh. He emptied himself of the privileges and majesty of heaven when he chose to be born in the poverty of a stable. Jesus emptied himself to serve you and me. And your family, if we are to emulate Jesus and serve other people, we too have to be willing to empty ourselves as well. We empty ourselves of our own will by saying, God, listen, not my will be done, but your will be done. We empty ourselves of our own ambition and agenda by laying those things at the foot of the cross 
to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus said, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We give up our agenda to pursue his agenda. We empty ourselves and give ourselves away in service of people. Amen? In verse 7, it goes on to say, he took upon himself the form of a servant. Now, the word servant family in Greek is actually doulos, which means slave, not servant. Now, the reason the translators went for the word slave because they thought, man, it's, this is too much. This, it's, too, it's too demeaning. It's too disrespectful to say Jesus became a slave for us. We're going to go with the word servant. Now, you might say, what's the difference between a slave and a servant? Here's the difference. A servant still has rights. A slave has none. A servant still has privileges. A slave has none. A servant still has a will. A slave has had his taken away. The one who is high and lifted up, the one who is exalted above every name, who is deserving of all privilege, honor, and glory. The master became the slave. Jesus became a slave and emptied himself to serve you and me. I remember family when I was very, my very first time at Elam, I think year one, and I was really pumped to be here. I love this church, still adore this church. And I was involved in, in youth and young adults ministry for a wee bit. I mean, Pastor Boyd trusted me with Alpha, which was what I was really excited about. I thought, man, this, this is it. I'm, this, is, this is my lane. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really cool to be here. But then afterwards, after I was involved in Alpha, I was, I was told, I said, Jake, can you walk around the community and actually hand out some flyers for the light party? Just, just, just put them in the, just do like a, a louder, like a 6K, for a 6K sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Circumference? Is that the word I'm looking for? There it is. Circumference. There we go. We're circumference. So I was told to hand out flyers around all of Manurewa. Now, when I was asked to do that, I thought, man, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, that's right. I'd love doing it. I'd love handing out flyers. But inwardly, family, I was thinking, handing out flyers? <laughs> I said, who do they think they have? Me handing out flyers. <laughs> this is not made for handing out flyers, okay? I said, listen, I, I am a preacher of the gospel. I'm going to preach to the nations. I'm going to be on Shine TV. Handing out flyers. This is not my lane. I don't, this is not something I should be doing. Even later on, family, I was asked to, to help our children's church and through Danny and Andy, who I love very much. And they said, Jake, can you help out with children's church? We think it'd be great for you. I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, great. High five. That'd be fantastic. But then I was thinking, children's church? Ooh, I don't want to do that. I said, I, said, that's, I don't want to do that. that that's, not, that's not for me. Oh, come. It's a great ministry, let me tell you. It's a fantastic ministry. Very important ministry. We have to raise our children in the way of the Lord and when they grow up, they will not depart from them. Amen? Here's the point, church. Here's, here's, here's the application point. Family, if you feed that kind of pride long enough, if your opinion of yourself gets high enough, or you reach a point where God cannot and will not use you, simple as that. If you think you're too big to serve, don't expect God to use you. If you can't take on board correction, don't expect God to use you. If you can't give yourself away in service of others, don't expect God to use you. If you care more about chasing the platform than loving people, don't expect God to use you. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. I love what Pastor Boyd once said. He said once that it is my job to build God's people. It's God's job to humble the people. And... <clears throat> I think one of the great things about our church is that there is a culture of encouragement here. That's, we have some of the most encouraging people I've ever met. It's a wonderful culture, a wonderful sort of atmosphere in our church. 
I can honestly say the three years I've been at Elam, I've been more encouraged than the whole 10 years I've been a Christian. When I think about it, that's actually quite sad, but when I think it's pretty sad, actually. There is a culture of encouragement here. But apparently there comes a point in time where God will humble people. And God humbles people not to embarrass you or to throw you under the bus, but like a loving parent, he does it to discipline you, to conform you, to mold you, to sculpt you, because he wants you to do the great things he's called you to do. And sometimes to do that, God will humble us. He wants us to be a vessel fit for his purposes. It goes on to say in verse 8, He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Listen, Jesus was really a man family. He took upon himself genuine humanity. He grew tired. He grew weary. <clears throat> That's why the writer of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with the human condition. For he was tempted and tried in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. That's why, family, when Jesus speaks, he not only speaks with authority, he speaks with empathy. Not only does Jesus, um, not only does he guide your path, but he's walked your path as well. It finishes up in verse 8 by saying, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Remember, family, humility is rooted in obedience. Jesus humbled himself so he could be obedient to the will of the Father, which was ultimately to go to the cross and die for sin as the ultimate act of service for you and me. And because Jesus did this, because he humbled himself, because he was humble and to the point of death, because he was obedient to the will of the Father, this is what happens. If I could have the, the band join me on stage, please. Because Jesus was obedient, it says this, therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Because Jesus lowered himself, God raised him up. Because he humbled himself, God the Father exalted him. Because he came down, God lifted him up. And I'll close by saying this, family. You know, some of you might be thinking, you know, why doesn't God use me? Why doesn't God's power move powerfully in and through me? Why doesn't God use me as a vessel for his purposes? And the answer may be, family, because you haven't been willing to be lowered yet. You might be asking, why doesn't God use me as a vessel so his power can move powerfully in and through me? Why doesn't God do that for me? And the answer may be because you haven't been willing to be broken yet. Why doesn't God fill me with his power and use me? And the answer may be because you haven't been willing to be emptied yet. To be lifted up, you must come down. Jesus said, in order to be great, you must serve. You must lose in order to gain. In order to gain, you must actually give yourself away in service of people. God is on the hunt for a person who is willing to humble themselves and lower themselves and the process be molded and sculpted by him so his power can move in and through you in a mighty way. God is on the hunt for the humble. Amen? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you are a loving, that you are not only a holy and amazing God, but you are a loving Father. And because you're a loving Father, there are times, Lord, where, like any loving parent, you'll, you'll seek to, 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 to intervene and to, and to mold us and sculpt us, even discipline us, because you have a purpose for us. Father, I pray for a, for a meek heart here this, this evening, that you continue to humble us, to mold us, and sculpt us, so we can walk into the plan and purpose that you have for us. 
Father, I pray that we'd be clean vessels, that we vessels fit for your purposes, that we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to the, and to the work of the Holy Spirit as well, who would conform us and shape us more and more into the image of your Son so we can be used for your glory. Father, what a great example we have in Jesus the Son, who was the greatest example of humility when he humbled himself, took upon himself human flesh, and died for our sin. What a great example we have in Jesus. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.